welcome to How to Win the Lottery, Season 2, Episode 4, The Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Bobby Fisher. And Bob, The Nickel Boys is a sort of a departure. It's a... You okay? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, we've dealt with heavy, heavy stuff, right? I mean, the belt jar was very heavy. Prep had heavy elements in it. Art of Fielding had heavy elements. But this is something that is deeper and heavier and more serious than the rest of the things. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What's The Nickel Boys about? It is about a school, quote unquote, school, or a farm um, school that yeah. is a, a juvenile detention center in Florida that uh, in the 60s, in the 60s. And it is reflective of all sorts of social issues, uh, both present and past that the characters um, go through the characters. The, the main characters are two black boys, um, although the school uh, does harbor white boys as well it is uh segregated yeah Mm -hmm. there's something that i was thinking about when thinking about like the structure of the episode and i think that at some point or maybe in every episode i don't know we should talk about whether or not i think the answer is probably usually going to be yes but whether rereading it will yield more there's a benefit to rereading right because this ends in a sort of severe twist yeah that i'm like oh and I don't know that it necessarily changes things. It cha- Well, it doesn't change, like, half the book. Yeah. But it also changes the other half of the book. But I don't know that you, do you, like, do you, without spoiling that yet, do you feel like it, does it impart different wisdom, knowing the twist? I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For okay. sure. For sure. I think there, there's, like, value to, anytime that something has a twist in it or information that's revealed later that uh is hinted at in the beginning a reread is always beneficial because then you're seeing it through the eyes of knowing what's coming and you can interpret it more freely because whereas with with this book when you when you read it the first time the twist is almost a there's like a genre component to it almost right like it's a a, a like twist endings don't really happen in books like this, which is like a book about social justice and and civil rights movement and yeah. things like that. So to to apply a mistaken identity slash double twist to the end, it, it like, like makes it into something different. So the book is about Elwood and Turner. Mm-hmm. And Elwood grows up as this like studious, wants to escape his sort of low social standing area. He's got a loving grandma. Yeah. who does everything she possibly can for this boy. His parents left him to go just check out California. Just they, were, they, they were like, we, we can't, we don't want to deal with this. We're going to go to California. Yep. He's a reader. He's hungry for knowledge. He's taking college classes. Like, he seems like he's like a high school freshman or sophomore, maybe. And yeah, he's taking, I think he's 15. And he's taking college-level courses. And while en route to go to college, he hops in a ride with this guy who picks him up, and it finds out that the car that they're in is stolen, and they get pulled over, and he gets sent to Nickel Academy. So you just encapsulated the entirety of Part One in, yeah. a, very, in a very in a very short time. But what also happens during Part One is that you learn things like he works at a uh, at a what is it a hotel where he's the, he's the dishwasher at a hotel and like a hotel restaurant or something. Yeah, yeah. and and they like uh, pull a trick on him by like racing him, wanting to race him to like see who can. Do the most dishes, and this is like a mean trick that they keep pulling on him, and he keeps like being proud of the fact that he can wash more dishes more quickly than anybody else without realizing that they are taking advantage of him yep. and, and allowing him to uh, to do all of the work. Yep. And he only comes to realize that this is true when they do a race for um, uh, the, they, they somebody leaves behind a set of encyclopedias when he wins the race and brings it home. He realizes that only the first one is real and the rest are just for show because it's like a sample copy or whatever. And that everyone is basically laughing at him all the time. And so like this is, I think, important to the book because it is indicative of essentially um, Elwood is a person who is trusting. He believes in the system and he thinks that if you do things like he believes in hard work and that if you do things the right way and are victorious without cheating etc like you'll be given your prize Mm -hmm. but the prize is a dummy prize and winning it doesn't mean anything so doing things the right way and and working hard and getting ahead that way is like sort of it's there's like this deep symbology there of of um like well actually no because like for especially people like elwood like young black men uh the game is rigged there's no there's no winning 
if, right. e- even if you win, you lose. Yep. Because to 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 win is to play by their rules, and to play by their rules is to uh, buy into a completely illegitimate system that is that your winning actually means that they win more, right? Which is like sort of the whole of labor, right? Even if if you work really hard um, to make money, like your hard work is still going to make someone else more money than it's making you. Life is just a mid-level marketing scheme, basically. Yeah, essentially. Um, there's other stuff that happens in that in that intro, which also shows that he like wants to be part of the system, right? For example, when his friends um, steal candy from the candy store that he's working at, he's like, he sees them. The even and it's established that his boss doesn't care because he's like, these kids are going to like my shop, which means their parents are going to shop here and actually spend money. So like in the end, it's basically like I'm paying for advertising. Yeah, but um, which feels like just like a way to rationalize poor kids stealing well, it's also, candy. It's also like like that's the right point of view because sure. it's like you know those kids are like they're stealing, they're costing you a nickel, but like yeah, the parents are going to spend money. They're there. the nickel boys. Oh boy. Okay, that was the last episode of How to Win the Lottery. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> Theme song. Um, no, but but it's it's again it's indicative of like Elwood can't bear the idea of someone playing not by the rules yeah so when he sees these kids stealing and they know that they're like winking at him like you you have my back right he doesn't he he gets the shit kicked out of him yeah. by them because of this because he can't bear their he he can't he can't bear their breaking the rules which is why then it's ironic that he ends up being going to prison not really prison but prison prison it's prison well how how, how would you say it is different from a prison well it's not different from a prison but it's a school okay and they they talk about like doing time and it's just like you know it's the wrong way to say it but like it's how they refer to it right i think i think like a a, an important and actually like really important part of the book is the distinguish um the distinction between uh like the title of something and what a thing actually is yeah right so like they say it's a school but like it by all the the narrative within it mirrors every prison narrative that you've ever read. Sure. Like you said before, the the book is split into three different chunks. The first is kind of before prison. The second yeah. one is entirely at the school, at the Nickel Academy. And then the third one is largely after the fact, but also kind of flashes back leading up to the twist. And then there's a brief epilogue. Right. So the second chunk in at the Nickel Academy, there's something and I it's clear it's not the point of the novel. But I, I, I sort of wish because what I, what I do appreciate about the book is that it's short and it's bre- it's for as heavy as it is, it's breezy, which might be the wrong word, but it reads quickly. I know. I agree. Yeah, totally. And the one thing I was sort of w- hoping for, there isn't a way to do it earnestly and feel real or genuine, is to get a sense of what it was like for the white students. Yeah. If it was as right. bad, because it seems like. I think it's not as bad, but. It's probably not as bad, but we don't know. It's just because everything in this country, it's not as bad for white people. Well, you do you do know that it is bad, though, because they, like, for example, they refer to uh, getting ice cream, right? Yeah. Which is which is what they call when they get beaten, um, which the black boys don't call it getting ice cream because uh, it's called ice cream because, like, the boy's skin changes color. So it looks like, you know, like fudge marble or something like that. I, I don't really, yeah. Um, but also that's, like, another way in the text that they use, like, irony. Like, ice cream is something sweet, but it's, like, something that you don't want, right. et cetera. So I think that, like, again, it's not the point of the novel, but I kind of wish either that there was, like, an alliance or an allegiance between – because it feels like there's, you know, separate but equal a phrase of the time. Like, it feels like they're both, like, absolutely – because it's, it's, it's talking more about the race situation in America in the 60s and even today, right? But Sure. I don't know. I just that's the one thing that I would have wanted more from this, but it also doesn't feel like you could earnestly fit it in unless the community service kid that you go out with is a yeah, white kid. Right. Yeah. It doesn't because there's no there's not much interaction. Like, are you saying that you want a point of view character to be like, like the way that Elwood is a point of view character and to another degree Turner is a point of view character? Like, you, I you, think so. You would like a third Cause I, student. Because I think in I know it's based on the actual real life Dozier Academy, Dozier or something, Dozier uh-huh. School. yeah. yeah. And so, you know, maybe, but, like, in my head, just maybe sort of simplify, just make it's only for, for black students. Like, yeah, I, I, I yeah. don't know. Um, Again, I don't know if this is, like, a, a nitpick or what, but it just feels like, because there's so much work and heavy lifting that Colson Whitehead's doing. Yeah. I think, I think probably the argument against that is, like, 
Well, it's just not their story. Right. Right. Like, like we, we know this, maybe we don't know this particular white kid's story, but like, like this is not a story about white kids. It's it's a story about like black kids. And if you, maybe you could amplify that by adding a white kid to it, but, uh, uh, or like, you know, there's the one Hispanic student who like bounces back and forth, like maybe just Mm -hmm. a couple lines, like, oh, it's better over there. I like it better over there or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, not the story that he's telling, not an actual criticism, mm. but because it's it's a, it's a, it's a story about the black kids, but it's also specifically about Elwood. Like it's you know yeah he sees it, but it's like it's not even Artifielding and Prep were about the central characters, but also more about the school as a whole because we spent the whole novel in the school, right? This is like you're spending a lot of the time in the school, but like it's really just Elwood. Yeah, and Turner. Yeah, and Turner. Because I yeah that's 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 interesting yeah especially because Elwood doesn't like fit in with what we think of as what this school right, is correct. right and and like th- th- there's a great part in the middle where God I can't remember if it's Elwood that's thinking this but it's like he can only see Nickel as like for all of the lost potential that is stuck there right all the students that like. Like, damn, if you didn't, like, oppress people, how many of these kids could have been sure. whatever whatever it is? And, like, Elwood is the, like, uh, poster boy for that because he is, like, in some ways a quote-unquote model minority, which is that he is, like, fitting into, like, what a white person's, like, a middle-class, upper-class white person's version of making it is, which is that he's, like, studious, he's going to school, he... Uh, he he even venerates the right black leaders, right? Like if if you if you think of it now, and the people now on who are on like uh, you mean like King as opposed to Malcolm X, exactly, yeah, yeah. or or even Fred Hampton or Megger Evers or, or people who were a, a little more forceful in their rhetoric. Because if you think of like white people now, when they like uh, white people who you don't typically think of as being sympathetic to race issues, like around Martin Luther King Day, they always like drudge up some of these speeches and are just like. This is how things should be done, right? Yep. Which, like, I think, like a lot of, a lot of Colson Whitehead's uh, work, because I actually just finished teaching Underground Railroad, um, but a lot of Colson Whitehead's work is about like what it means when Black Americans do everything right, because it still like doesn't go all that well. Yeah. Like if you, if you do everything according to the rules, like you still might just fucking end up in a, in, in a car and, and nobody's willing to hear your side of the story. And then you end up in this terrible situation anyway. Yeah. And not only that, but then the guy's like, oh, I believe you. Like, let me help you defend you. And then he just like runs away with your family money or whatever. Right. Cause yeah, it's just like, yeah. there's a better opportunity somewhere else. And the teacher who's excited, he's like, oh, you, you're reading the college for sure. We can help you for sure. And then he just f- completely fucks off. Yeah. Like never like inquires yep. or thinks twice or, or anything like that. Yeah. Which is like, also, if you, if you take that education, like you, you look at the education that's happening at the uh, nickel, and then you look at the education that was happening with him uh, when he in in part one, where like there's this big section in part one where he's looking through the books, like they're getting secondhand books from the white schools. Oh yeah, and, I forgot about and, yeah. and the white students just like leave them incredibly racist messages all throughout the books, and it's like, okay, so what these kids are doing like during the time that they're supposed to be learning uh math and history and reading and stuff is like they're just spending their time like correcting shit that white people have put on them right so it's like you know that, that's like you also think about like i thought you were talking about like what the white kids should be doing is learning and they're just instead spending that time like systematically systemically <laughs> yes yeah yeah perpetuating both, racism right both, both ways yeah. for sure for mm-hmm. sure for sure yeah he enters the Nickel Academy, and he is an outcast because he doesn't belong. He shouldn't be there for many reasons. I mean, nobody should be there, but he really shouldn't be there. Right. And he has no friends there because, I mean, nobody really has friends there when they get there because mm-hmm. it seems like it's sort of from all over Florida. They all get, it's, you know, it's it's supposed to be the lighter sentence. Instead of prison, you go to this school, right? Yeah, Elwood specifically, uh, uh, they, they specifically refer to Elwood as being lucky for, yeah. for going there. And he has to eat alone. He has no friends. He, like, gets, you know, ragged on in their, like, dorm bunk bedroom or whatever. And the only way that he actually sort of gets friends is because he stands up. He tries to break up a fight in the bathroom. Because he he can't stand injustice. Yep. Right. And then he, by ostensibly being part of the fight, 
gets beat, like gets whipped and sent to this infirmary. And then they're like, oh, he went to the house or whatever they're calling it. Because there's the White House, which is the serious thing. But there's also like whatever. There's the White House in the outback. There's multiple levels of just horror. And they're like, oh, he basically took one for the team. He's one of us now. And they start like talking to him like an actual person. Yeah, and Turner, Turner is friends with him. Yeah. Turner sticks up for him, visits him in the hospital, or fakes sick to go to the hospital to visit him. I, like, like, an interesting thing about that section where he stands up for the kid is that, like, there's also the hint that that bullying is, like, an elaborate sex play. Like, them bullying that kid is, like, kind of an excuse for that kid to, like, just, like, blow those kids yeah. in, the, in the bathroom yep. stall. And you're just like, is that, well, like, what? There's, like, a lot of... Well, there's also, like, because there's different punishments, right? Because there's the whole, like, system... That the way you get out, there's four ways to get out, and there's, you know, Elwood tries to have the fifth way, right? But, like, one of them includes, like, you know, earning enough merits to be like, oh, you're a reformed student. Yeah. You've served your time. Here you go. They're talking about, like, the different things that, like, the demerits. And they're like, well, in this one house, if you're jerk, if you're caught jerking off, you lose 200 points. But if you're jerking another kid off, it's only you lose 100 points. It's like, <laughs> wait, hold on, what? Yeah. So, like, there's a whole, like, subtext of, like the need for sexual gratification right. or something yeah, that's yeah. like right and there's also the you know there there's seems to be also a lot of um and again this is like a very typical prison narrative but there, there's a lot of um like rape by the uh by the people who are like in power yeah i think uh well what's what's your take on this the one kid uh i forget his name but he's like obsessively focused on earl he wants to poison Earl like yeah. over and over. And everyone's like, we don't know what he did to him, but he's just like Earl. Earl's the one. Yeah. We got to get Earl. And it's like the implication I think is probably that Earl was molesting him. Right. I mean, maybe, but it also could just be like, there's a version. I don't think it's true, but like that he is largely, this kid has been largely unaffected or he's not encountered many injustices. Like Earl, it was like the only one who did a bad thing to him or whatever. And, like, oh, okay. he's, and yeah. they, it's probably not that, but it's just like, if, the only person who ever did something like truly heinous to you. Yeah. See, even just like, like backhand, like something like compare, it's hard to compare injustices, but something like, you know, just like beat you or whatever, as opposed to like sexually assaulting you. Well, this is, I mean, Elwood focuses on Spencer for that reason, right? Cause yeah. Spencer is the one person that, that really like gave it to him badly. But like the reason why I, th- I, I thought that this Earl was molesting this kid um, was because the kid is so insistent upon it that like everyone else eventually defers to him and is like, all right, Earl, like, cause they, it seems like they realize that something really bad happened and right. that maybe Earl is like yeah. monstrous beyond the way that all of these guys have treated them. Which is saying something when it is the white house. I was one of the things I said before is the white house where, where Elwood goes. Yeah. And this is described in, in a novel full of horrific shit and horrific events is described in a way that makes it feel like a horror movie. They're like, there's an industrial fan that like, picks up the blood that gets like sprayed from the bodies and like sprays the walls. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, Oh, Jesus. Smells, right. It's in the concrete. Yep. Before he goes there, Elwood's like, I hear this noise at night and I don't know what that is, but it's just the fan that goes on to that's loud enough to muffle the yells of the kids who get beat. Like, yeah. Whipped. Right. Yeah. Also, I, I guess now is a good time to talk about it, but like white house is obviously like ironic in a couple of different ways, like white because of like white people, mm-hmm. white power structure, White, well, so, white is actually the color of the house. So there's a thing on the wiki in the development and writing section. It says, after dealing with slavery in his Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Underground Railroad, because this book, Nickel Boys, came out last year, 2020. Like, this yeah. is a very new mm-hmm. book. White did not write, want to write, quote, another heavy book. However, he felt the election of Donald Trump compelled him to do so. So I'm also like, that, oh, so it's that White House. Well, yeah, no, I, of course, because like, that that's the other thing, is that like the White House being the seat of fear for these kids is like, number one, it's something that like actual white people in the world, like in, in America, it's like something that they respect deeply. Yep. Like you have to respect, even if you don't respect the person in it, you have to respect the, the office the, of the, the president. office, the, you know, you, you, the white house is, is inc- it's where Lincoln slept, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it exists as like this place where these kids go to get beaten. Um, so it's like this place of physical fear, but it's also like the place where essentially like, 
all of these horrifically uh, oppressive policies have been signed off on, yeah. which is like the much more frightening, like like the White House is a seat of terror for them because it's like the White House red stamped Jim Crow and the, and the White House was like, look, we don't have to give black people the GI Bill, even though they fought in World War II and deserve to be as much a part of the middle class as anyone else, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, like, like there's it, it's this place of horror because it exists as a respectable place for most, like most Americans think of the White House as being a respectable place when actually it's the slaughterhouse, yep. which is the same thing with, you know, uh, all, all of nickel is like that too, right? They paint it up and the people in town think that it's so nice. So they donate money and they well, try so, to keep it going. So this is a very lighthearted diversion here. And I might've told this on this podcast before, except I don't think it would, it would have been this season because it's about a teacher. I don't know. Maybe it's on a different podcast. Maybe I just told you off mic. A lot of options there. I know. I, I said this to someone at some point recently, <laughs> but there's a thing where like there's an inspection, right? Like they're like the people are coming to check out Nickel Academy, make sure like it's up to snuff, right? And yeah. so they spend a couple of days leading up there, like repainting and fixing cre- creaky boards, and like the day of, they like go all out and they have like all this delicious food, and like everybody's like kind to be, everybody, and just like it, you can almost feel that the kids are almost like, oh yeah, things are better now. Like it's yeah. just it's like the uh-huh. barest minimum. It works because, like, it you know, is based on the Dozier School, which existed for 111 years, right? Like, it just you 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 pass in one way or another, right? Yeah, it's a fucking ice cream social at work to get you to yep. stop complaining about having low wages. Yes, it's like how Facebook they cater all your meals because, like, you're working 13 hour yeah. days. Yeah, yeah. Fun diversion. My seventh grade math teacher, who was a fine teacher, he just whatever, Mister Butts. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. Every day taught class from his desk in the back of the classroom. Never got up, didn't walk, didn't write on the board, which is like, okay, here's the math, you know, Joey, go right on the board. Here's, here's what you're, you're going to, you're going to work this one out or whatever. Just every, every class sitting from his desk, just didn't want to get up. Just an older dude, just like, I'm not going to get up. Yeah. I respect it. The one time the semester that the principal watched for the evaluations, Mr. Butts up and at him at the front, the front of the room, like dancing <laughs> yeah. around, like, all right, who's, who's doing this? And we're just like, who's falling for this? Like, the principal has to know this is not an everyday occurrence. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. as far as the principal is concerned, this is how it always is, right? Uh-huh. And so, Every like, yeah. you know, the inspectors coming to Nickel Academy are like, it's so clean here. They're all uh-huh. so happy. Look at this delicious food. Yeah. Stamp of approval. Yeah. Just like the principal's like, Mr. Butts, you're the best teacher we've got. Right. It's just and like, yeah. come here any other day and you're going to be horrified. Everyone in town sees the Christmas decorations and they're like, they really treat those kids great. Yeah. Wait, who vandalizes the Christmas decorations? Is it students? Because it feels like the students have a pride about it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Because that was it was a weird thing. Because like, there's a division of labor, but it doesn't seem like unjust. It's like the white kids like fix the things, and the black kids paint the things. And it feels mm. like that's sure fair, whatever. I don't know if that is fair or not. It just feels fair. But it feels like they all take ownership and pride, even though they hate it there. I think they all there's a. It seems like there's a sense that rebelling, like empty rebellion against things, isn't going to get them anywhere. So it feels weird that like. Someone van- maybe just kids in school in town vandalized, yeah. because again, even though it's a prison, there's no like walls, right? Yeah, and, and like kids run away, and you know Elwood and Turner right go out on community service where they just like help like the wives of the faculty or whatever like do chores around the house. Like they're so they're you know it's kind of like parole or whatever, but it's there's yeah. no there's there's no literal walls. It just Right. There are at metaphorical walls. Yeah. Also, if you run, you will get killed. Yeah. That's that's enough wall for most people. Sure. Right. Well, I guess I won't run because they'll kill me if I do. Yeah. Yeah. And and there, you know, there's obviously obviously a parallel to the prison industrial complex. Not even a parallel. I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. But like the the prison industrial complex still exists now, where it's just like people doing hella free labor. Or getting paid like a penny an hour to create all of this uh, surplus goods that can then be sold at cost or, or at, you know, whatever to profit uh, the prison industry. So you end up wanting to put kids in prison for being coincidentally in a stolen car because it helps the free labor yeah it helps the profit margin which mimics slavery doesn't again it doesn't even mimic slavery it is slavery yeah um by another name yeah uh which is you know just the 
narrative of black America, right? Has been like slavery by another name. Indentured servitude, whatever, right? Yeah. So let's, I think that's a good time to talk about the four ways out. Because the fifth way that Elwood has the idea to get out is that while he's in community service, he sees all these like, like they're taking things that like should go to the kids, like, like better food and supplies and whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're just like selling the restaurants and like convenience stores and whatever around town, right? Because they're just... Yeah, that's that's what's happening. I didn't misinterpret like, but just like they're taking school, the goods that should be for the students and just selling them and like the guys keeping the money, they're splitting the money around the faculty or whatever, just like they're getting rich instead of like benefiting the students. Yeah. So Elwood makes notes of all this stuff and he writes this all down. He's like, I'm going to sh- I'm going to basically like turn this place upside down. And that's my fifth way out. Because he because once again, he's buying into this idea that you can like. That people get are gonna, people in trouble. People are going to care. Yeah, <laughs> you can get people in trouble, and like because the rules are there, and they'll find out that they're not playing by the rules, and they'll be punished because they've broken the rules. Right. Which is, you know, if you if you have been paying attention to the book, like you're just like, nope. Yeah, it's not that you're dreaming, man. You got to yep. stop having faith in a system that literally wants you dead. So the four actual ways out: there's graduation, like you you earn enough merit points, right? You yeah. turn 18, right? you run away, or you die. Yeah. Or you write yeah. an expose for the newspaper, and that's going to supersede everything. Right. Because then in part three, we have Elwood as a grown-ass man, sort of kind of modern day-ish, feels like. Well, no, it goes it goes um, by decades. So it starts in the, um, in the later, in the 60s. Right. Like 68, 69, um, and then it jumps to... I think it goes by 10 years and like a, in, in these little, little okay. patches. So you get, we, uh, we work our way up to close to modern yeah, day. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's like 2018, 2019 yeah. at the end. He moves through various phases of New York through the garbage strikes. He watches like New York come up and he like through hard work becomes a person who is relatively successful. He owns a moving company. He owns a moving company and he has the ability to help out, uh, Chicky Pete, who is a guy who went to to Nickel Academy with him, uh, but whose life got totally fucked up because he's, you know, dealing with the trauma from Nickel Academy. Yep. And he's a drunk and he's all these things. And he asks, uh, he asks Elwood for help. And Elwood is just like, uh, no. I mean, he doesn't say no to him. Because the guy's like, you know, if you ever need help, like if you ever need, like if you ever need to, like, I, I, I can work for you. I can, I can get a job. He's just like, yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, and he doesn't want to give him his business card for because of the twist. Yes, which we'll we'll, we'll get to. You know, th- there's something there about like I don't know if he doesn't want to help him because Chicky Pete can identify him, or if he doesn't want to help him because he he doesn't need the reminder. Right? It's it's like something that he has continually tried to put behind him, or as a, in a cynical way, has sort of assimilated into like white culture. Right? Yeah, that's a that's a that he made it as an upper middle class New Yorker, small business owner, Mm -hmm. and just like... Doesn't see the need to help. Yeah. Right. I think it's probably a little bit of all of those things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess knowing that there's a twist, I guess the structure of part three becomes much more apparent because the whole book to that point has been linear. Yeah. And the first chapter in part three is him in the late 60s. It's like, okay, cool. So it was like before school, school, after school. And we know like we... It's interesting because, like, then we know that he's okay, right? Yeah, Qu- quote he, unquote. He escaped. It's, it's, he like, it's like we're like, oh yeah, shit. He's like he he's doing it. So like the assumption is that Elwood has escaped from Nickel. Because there's a version of this book where like Elwood gets killed at Nickel or whatever. That's the end of the book or whatever, right? Like it just. Yeah, I don't know that that's a narratively effective version. Maybe not. But, but like, there's a version where like it ends in the school in one way or another. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like he gets the school, he never gets out. Or th- there's a version of this book that ends with like the police driving up the the uh the long winding driveway to with their lights on and they arrest spencer and then all the kids go running free oh i think i think you're like leading up to like the get out ending where you see the cops come up and they're gonna just like get the black kids in trouble but then it's actually lil rel howry's ts motherfucking well kind of yeah i mean that's kind of what i'm saying like there there is a version where like nickel gets shut down but it's like again that's not a realistic version because what this book is telling us is that nothing ever changes the system doesn't work yeah right he tries to appeal to institutions to set him free he tries to appeal to courts to set him free he tries to appeal to newspaper to set him free to do their job and one by one these major institutions uh fail him over and over again yep so in part three, we have him in the 60s, and then we go back to the school, and it's like, okay, that's interesting, because that this doesn't follow what we've 
Man, but then part three in the school is him seemingly sort of becoming obsessed with the idea of getting out in a new way, right? Yeah. Becomes kind of a thriller almost. Yeah. There, there's like the um, like what you you mentioned. He's been recording all of these misdeeds in a notebook, and he wants to deliver them to the inspector that's coming. Um, and the well, there's a newspaper guy there, right? Is yeah. That what it is? So I think his plan. I mean, he doesn't. I don't know if he really has a plan, but like his plan eventually is like to write what he has and slip it in a newspaper and give it to the guy and it's going to get out and be like, oh my God, like this is the thing that I've been, this is the story I've been waiting for. And he and Turner have a huge fight over it because Turner's like, you stupid motherfucker. Yeah. Do not rely on these people. Just keep your fucking head down and like, you're about to graduate. Just keep your head down and get out. But Elwood, um, again, is uh, trying to confront an injustice. Anybody who should just keep their head down, it should be Elwood, but like that's just not how he's wired, right? Because it's like... Yeah, I'm, I I wonder, like, what the ultimate messaging of this book is. Is the ultimate messaging keep your fucking head down and don't, like, try to look for justice? Like, because we want to do that, right? Like, you'd think that, like, you should, but it does not work for Elwood. You can get by if you keep your head down. Yeah. But you have to also be aware of all the shit that's going on around you. And it's like, you can survive, but you're also effectively killing all your brothers. Yeah, this is kind of how Underground Railroad is, too. It's saying, like, you can choose to be a revolutionary and die for the cause, or you can not be a revolutionary and be a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. So as this narrative goes on, he's, like, doing it, and he's like, here's the plan. He delivers the paper, right? Well, well, no, Turner stops talking to him. Turner's like, dude, no, no. And then... Elwood sees a bunch of opportunities to deliver this. Uh, he chickens out once. And the second time when he's getting up the guts to go deliver the thing, Harper, and I think it's Harper, interrupts him and is like, I Harper need- Harper's his boss on community service. Yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, I need you to go deal with this across campus. And Elwood is like, realizes that if he does that, he's not going to get the opportunity to give the notebook. So Turner is like, all right, man, give it to me. I'll deliver it. And he does. Elwood gets taken and he's, like, put in a room and beaten severely for multiple nights. Turner catches wind of this idea that they're going to kill Elwood. Because there's something worse than the White House. Yeah. They're just, like, you take out, you have taken out back into the woods or whatever. Where there are, like, iron rings put in trees. There's details that we get from the archaeologists in the future digging up all these black bodies on, on the campus that have, uh, through, like, forensics, see, like, broken wrists and stuff that are, like... The wrists of kids who have clearly been tied to a tree and their bodies are reacting violently enough to break their own wrists in resistance to the torture that they're facing. Because the book opens with an excavation of like after the fall of Nickel Academy. Yeah. So you know that like there's a win in a way. Mm-hmm. The school is no longer operating, but it left in its wake horrific stuff. Yeah. So Turner Turner rescues Elwood and he breaks his one rule, which is when he when he's telling Elwood how to successfully escape, which he he has planned out pretty thoroughly. Pretty well. Seems to know exactly how to escape, knows where to go, knows who lives in what houses. Which spoiler works. Yeah, knows how to get a bike bi- bicycles, but bu- bu- bicycles. I don't know why I stuttered on bicycles. Um and where the bicycle tire pump is too yeah he has he has all of these details worked out for what we presume he's thought of for his escape yes um but the one rule for his escape is that you don't go with anybody you go by yourself because if you go with another person they're just going to slow you down and they're just going to fuck you up especially in uh elwood's case because elwood is beaten beaten so he can't he's you know he can't move quickly and so he wakes elwood up so we're leaving now and they go and the escape Multiple times is like he has to like slow down to Elwood's pace, which is yeah. what you were saying because Elwood is on the verge of death, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. They like are they're biking away all night. They bike all the way through the night. Yeah, and like okay, we're gonna go to Tallahassee because that's where Elwood's from. He knows the town or whatever. And they can keep going or whatever. And they ha- they hear a truck go by and and they're like they get freaked out and then like it's just a normal truck. They don't stop. And they just they get a little bit bolder. I think right. They just stay mm-hmm. on the road. They're like we're gonna go faster. And then like the next truck or whatever is. A truck from the Nickel Academy. Yeah. They they ditch the bikes and they go running through a field and they hop a fence and the I think it's Harper again. Um who and he fires a shotgun. He was like a he's like a twenty year old white kid. Yeah. 
fires a shot. Harper, who is like their friend, yeah. essentially. He's been their friend for the whole book, even though he's their boss. He's not like, he's not really their friend. But he gives them a leeway in a way that other people at the Academy do not. Yeah, but again, it's I think it's like, it's indicative of the way these, these power structures work, right? Where it's like, you're friends until I have to kill you yep. because you're, you're threatening the system that put me in power. Um, and if I let you get away, then I'm going to be maybe not killed, but... Well, my yeah, my power will be diminished. Yeah. So he fires a shotgun, and the, the shotgun uh, hits Elwood and kills him. Yeah, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, well, like, hasn't Elwood been narrating from the future this and whole time? And that's how the book ends, because then there's the epilogue, and it's just like, well, I'm Turner. Yeah. And I went by Elwood because it just felt right. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of honoring him, but then it became something else. Yeah, and, and the, the epilogue is, like, really fucking sad, right? Yeah. Because it's like him... Telling his girlfriend. Yeah, the the article comes out about Nickel, and he shows his girlfriend the article, and he's like, yeah, that's where I went to school. And she's like, I knew you had it, like, I knew it was bad, but, like, that? And he's like, yeah, and also my name's not Elwood, (laughs) I'm Turner. And she's like, and they deal with it together, because, like, she, you know, it's not really her business whether he changed his name or not. It's not like he was lying to her, he was like... He was preserving himself from all the harm that could be done to him. Yeah, because like there's a darker version of it or whatever where she, like, leaves. But it, it wouldn't feel earnest or genuine if she's like, well, you lied to me. No, I mean, she would be an F on our on our uh, chart. That's a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, if, if if she if she did that. But she's like, you know, she has a tough time with it because it's it's hard to know that someone you love has been through that much. Yeah. Um, and there is some dichotomy there because, like, she's a New York girl, right? So she, like, and he's, like... A black guy from the South in, in the 60s, so he, like, inherently has a little more tension around around those issues. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, okay. So then it, again, like you were saying before, there's, like, a, a genre element where it's like, oh. Like, again, it changes what came before, but it's also, like, it's a thing that they both went through. It's just he got out. Yeah, it, it's also, it's indicative of this experience, like, not being quite so broad as monolithic, but it's an, it, an experience that's, like... You know, this is a potential end for anyone and a potential future for anyone, any any uh, black American in, in, during that time period or now or in the past further back than that. It's like the, the phasing of Elwood into Turner is like, you know, that could have been either of their stories either way. Because I guess if, if Elwood is the one who actually escapes, then it's like, well, he deserved it. Like he was he's he was smarter and worked harder or whatever. And he got he got out. Right. But like. Turner sort of survives like it's the fake Elwood just like he just got lucky he yeah but also like Turner is also uh I mean if you if you want to treat it like it's a morality play like it's possible that Turner survives because he was courageous enough to save Elwood or to try to save Elwood and in trying to save Elwood he's risking his own life right he's breaking his own rules that he's firmly established um, and earlier in the text, there's stuff in there that w- that makes us think like Turner's not that great of a guy, right? There's like one part in in specific where he's like in his head, he's like, he's like, well, my parents love me. My dad's a drunk, but like that's one thing. But like your parents, they went to California. They don't even love you. Yeah. So like, how great could you be if your parents? Yeah, don't I think love what you say like my dad loves me. He just loves alcohol more. Yeah, yeah. But but like the the key thing for Turner in this section for me is like. Turner doesn't say that to Elwood, but he puts it in his pocket for later in case he ever needs it. Oh, yeah. There's in case he ever just, needs to use it against He's like, Elwood. that's really good. I'm going to say that just in case I need it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. So you're like, oh, Turner's like kind of a bad dude. But then but like. I think I, I, yes, not, not yes. But I also think it's just like he's a planner. Yeah, yeah. In, that's in all point. ways. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like, I can use this in the future. And whether you know, it's, yeah. whether it's, I know where a bicycle is and the kids right. aren't going to be here or. That's the most savage burn that I could possibly utter. I'm going to say that too. And because he's cynical enough to to be a survivor, like because he's cynical enough to to store things like that, to know that like, well, Elwood's my friend. And by all accounts, Elwood seems like a guy that I can trust. Like also fuck him. I'm going to keep this in my back pocket, the nuclear weapon, just in case. Yeah. Right. So that's like he survives because of that. But also if you want to treat it like a morality play, he survives because he's willing to yeah. break his own rules to help Elwood. Because I think there is a certain element of it that like he's more realistic and grounded than Elwood because he's like, I know that if I'm getting out of here, it has to be just me. And so like this guy is maybe my best friend in here. But like also if it's him or me, it's going to be me because like. But then in surviving, he kills he kills himself off and lets Elwood live. 
Yeah. Right? Like he goes, okay, Turner, Jack Turner, Jack Turner's dead. I'm Elwood now. In name and, you know, in theory and in action too. Like he's trying to like aspire to be the person that he thinks Elwood may have been because Elwood is like an aspirational character to him. Do we know why Turner went to Nickel? Like why he got sent there? Do we, do we, uh, are we I told th- that? I, th- I think we do. I think it might be like, is it possible that it's not even a criminal thing? That he just, I don't know. he like needed a guardian? Because that's the thing, like, Sometimes when I'm reading, I don't pay enough attention to certain sure, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you don't have any sense of how important a character Turner is until you realize, oh, he's the new narrator. Yeah, he's well, also yeah, Turner's. I mean, I know that he's one of the more important characters, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm like putting all my eggs in the Elwood basket because mm-hmm. you, you're like, this is just you know what's about. Right, and this is another yeah, this is another reason why rereading is beneficial, right? Yes, because which is why I brought it up, right? Yeah, but it's the same kind of thing where it's like. You know, watching horror movies and there's like, you know, in the Friday the 13th reboot or in Death Proof or in Scream or whatever there's or in Psycho, there's all these movies where you're like, oh, this is my narrator. This is who I'm going to follow. This is, you know, these main characters. And then they die. And it's yeah. like, oh, OK. And like, it's disorienting. And here that happens. But it's like it's a, it's a it's a thing that you couldn't do in a movie. Well, you could because he's so much older. When he's in, it's it's like you're going from 15 to someone who like you know you just change actors. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm shocked that this has not been optioned, or maybe it has been, but like I, I can't. I had I've never heard anything about it being made into a movie because it seems so easily translated. Okay, man. July 2019. Okay, but yeah. Okay. It seems like it would translate so quickly and easily. It won a bunch of awards, had rapturous praise. Do you have a sense of how successful the Underground Railroad is on Prime? I know you taught the book. I don't. Uh, I know none of my students wanted to watch it on Prime. I've only watched the first two episodes of it. We talked about this in our X Files thread to make this very lighthearted, but like Prime has good shows that just nobody talks about. Yeah, right. So especially like Underground Railroad is directed by Barry fucking Jenkins, yeah. which is like, and and it's similar to the um, the Steve McQueen series on there, which which like also, as far as I know, only me, you, Matt, and Tom have watched. Right, and like. I think Amazon absolutely dropped the ball because, like, they submitted that as TV instead of movie. Like, it's clear they're, they're movies. It's not TV. Like, it's just... Yeah, the one with um, uh, Letitia Wright is, like, two hours long. Yeah. It's got a different problem than Netflix. But, yeah, it's if, if the Underground Railroad's on Netflix or on HBO, I don't know that it would be bigger, but it wouldn't be as... I don't know how if it would be big, but it would be bigger. Yeah, it'd be bigger. It'd, I think it'd be, yeah. Even though, probably, realistically, more people, like, way more people have access to Prime than HBO. Yeah. But as, as, according to the wiki, I don't think there's anything adaptation or anything like that. So again, it's new. Yeah. But still, you would. I think adapting it would be would be really easy. I think it's like it's it's right. You don't even have to fuck with the narrative that much to no. to do it. You can just get yourself um, a couple of fresh faced uh, young black actors, and and I think you they're 15, so they're probably unknowns. You know what you you know what the one thing I would change structurally in adapting this is start at nickel. And then have the flashbacks, because I think that would make the flash forward intercutting less jarring. Okay, yeah. So you start with Nickel, and then you're like, well, how did he get here? And then you have him as a young, studious kid or whatever. Yeah. Because I think it works. I think the narrative, like, the, the way that the, the book is laid out works that way. But I think I think it'd be more apparent. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just a, maybe I'm a better movie watcher than a book reader. I prefer linearity. I don't like the movements back and forth between between time and books i would rather something start at point a and go straight through to point but B. this one so but you can't do that here because like it it undercuts right yeah you need it you need it you need the end actually i would thread through the the um the present day stuff throughout the entire text instead of just introducing it at the end i would i would like thread it through the whole okay way. well so then we we agree that we, we would start later maybe or maybe not would you start at the I think beginning? You, I think you probably start with them find it, like him reading the article. But you wouldn't start it with him as like a, a unsullied young boy or whatever. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, Again, not that that's wrong for the book. But yeah, I think, I think I think I might just do it straight the way that the book does it. Maybe I, I might I might like push back a little bit like so that the present day stuff was threaded throughout. But I'm not sure. Okay. Any other thoughts about the Nickel Boys? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have any uh, casting ideas for the movie. Um, cause it's like, we talked about, it is going to be a hard season to do because it's a lot of these are just young kids. And then you're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want Mahershala for who? Oh, for as an adult. Uh, yeah, there's anyone. There's a lot of, it's easy. Yeah. yeah. That, that's like a good, uh, there are like so many good, uh, uh, black actors. Anyone who's ever been in a Barry Jenkins movie or TV their, show. Or in their forties. Yaya Abdul-Mateen is, is a great 
what's the name of the guy that was in um, Us? Winston Duke? Yeah, that guy's really good, too. Tim Heidecker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tim Heidecker. That's what you meant, right? Tim Heidecker actually as Spencer would be fucking great. Yeah. Uh, like he, he, yeah, I think that that would be excellent. And cause he's like, I feel like he could play such like a weird sadist in, in, uh, intimidating way. Um, I hadn't thought about him as, I had thought of like, Oh, John Goodman as Spencer or something like that. But Tim Heidecker as Spencer would be fantastic. Yeah, man. <laughs> My dumb joke turned into an actual point. <laughs> well, I think he's, Tim Heidecker's a great actor. Yeah. Just don't make Tom watch the comedy again. Uh, yeah, that's like one of the, I, I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say that that's like a top five movie of the last 20 years. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> I don't think it's that good, but I think it's really good. And then Tom just, no, I understand. I don't blame Tom for that. That's like definitely a, uh, unbelievably niche thing. Like you have to, you have to really enjoy all of the aesthetic choices made in that movie to, to really like and There's that. a lot of choices being made. Yeah. 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 Uh, you got an email from Meg? Well, we're not going to call Matt. We're not going to call the Honorable Judge Matt early because it's late. We're recording much later than we normally do, and he's probably awake, but also maybe in bed. Who knows? Yeah, you don't want to bother someone who's got kids. We have an email address, lottery at cageclub.me, if you want to write in about the book that you just heard about or the book that you're reading or a future book in the season because all the reading lists are in the episode descriptions and also on cageclub.me. Just email lottery at cageclub.me. But our friend Egg wrote in her reaction to the Nickel Boys. 7.47 a.m. She's sending email. She's productive early. <laughs> or she didn't go to bed. No, she's productive early, probably. <laughs> this book was incredible. I'm the only one who doesn't go to bed. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Stop interrupting Meg. Yeah, okay. My bad. Zip. This book was incredible, and it's going to stay with me for a long time. The first section... You had already read this book before. This uh, is yeah, I, ta- you, I, okay. I, taught, I taught this book a couple okay. semesters ago. The first section is just an exemplary use of tension. From the prologue, you know that some serious shit's going to go down... But Elwood's such a good kid, you can't really picture what it could be. The fact that his life was really ruined by wrong place, wrong time was devastating. The thing that struck me the most about this novel was that it felt there were others, there was a layer of hope throughout. Like, even though these horrible things are happening to these boys, something about it felt hopeful. The Martin Luther King quotes throughout were particularly effective in this because you really got the sense from the novel about, from this novel alone, how much King really spoke for and to black people in the nation. And Elwood wasn't resentful of King's hope. It was hard to do, but he really tried to follow King's words and theories. But in the end, even though Elwood himself dies, what? (laughs) Turner takes up the mantle after being inspired by Elwood. The last sentence when you realize that Turner sitting in the building where Elwood hoped there would be black men and women sitting one day made me cry. Millie's character was also interesting to me. Her character showed that black struggle isn't a monolith. There are different variations based on class and where people live. Is Millie the grandma? Harriet's the grandma. Who's Millie? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe his girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, probably. All in all, it was a hard book to get through, but it was so, so good. Thanks, Egg. I'm Googling Nickel Boys Millie right now. We we find out that Meg wrote, read, like, you know. Yeah, it's Turner's wife, yeah. Okay. No, that's, yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry, I just didn't remember the name of the character. I was just saying, that, like, she read, like, the sacrament version, and we read <laughs> yeah. Ocean Overlast, and there's this whole thing where Elwood's like, guys, I'm not really dead. Yeah, this didn't really happen. I think uh, when Meg talks about hope, I think it is not wrong, but also is indicative of the hope that we all have for systems, right? There is this idea that, like, over and over again that these things are going to come save us, and then, they, and then they, of course, don't. Yep. I agree. I agree with Meg about the end where he's eating at the table where um, – eating in the restaurant where they had been allowed to eat earlier, but I also have noted – because for the first section, when he's washing dishes, Elwood's like, it's legal for black people to eat out there right now. Like, the law passed or whatever. Yeah. But it's not legal. Like, it's, what I don't know. Well, it's, it says, and it happened. They opened the counter. And then it says, Turner didn't have enough money to eat there anyway. Right? It is good. Like, obviously, like, that's progress. And desegregation is indicative of progress. But I think desegregation is also often used as... Uh, a smokescreen for progress because a lot of places are still segregated, just not by law. Like schools are still segregated because like, because of class boundaries and because of like the racial reasons that like keep black and brown Americans inside the underclass. Cause like, you know, you can, you can desegregate a country club, but if you only give white people access to money, 
is that country club actually desegregated, right? Which is like, you know, that's essentially what's going on with Turner in that scene. He goes, yeah, great. It's desegregated. I don't have any money. I can't eat there anyway. So what the fuck? What what does it matter to me if it's desegregated? So like there's later on in the text, he can eat there because he does have money because he has like bought into and benefited from uh, like the American American dream. dream. Yeah. In certain ways. Yep. Is it a bummer of a book? Is it a hopeful book? What do you think? Like, there's, I feel like there's hope within it, but it's, well, it's not nihilistic. I think it depends on how you think about America. Like, you are like me. Oh, boy. Well, what, how do you think about America? We're, well, I am not well-read enough. You'd like to see it be made great again. Yes. No, I want to keep it great because we made it, <laughs> okay. we made it great. <laughs> no, but I think it's just like, I'm, I'm generally an optimistic person. Right. Yeah. And I want to see the best in things. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm just like, things can be better. And I yeah. know that they're not, but it's just like, things can be better. And mm-hmm. like blinders and like, it's not the right way to live, but things can be better and make yeah. it great again. And then you're like, I want to dive in and touch the bottom of the pool. You're like, do you have any idea how much bad? I'm just like, no, I don't. Which I think, what was yeah. it? There was some book that we read, maybe it was Open City, where I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not well read enough to understand like the ramifications of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that bad shit happened. I'm not ignorant to that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not as in touch with, like, a lot of things as I should be where I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know. The vibes. Yeah. And also, like, you know, I, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I embrace the, the evil. Sure. <laughs> Our next book is Pamela Aaron's The Virgins, which is a book that we have both read. It's a great book. Great book. I'm excited to to go through it again. Great, um, you know, revisiting some of the themes from the very first book that we did. The um, Death in Her Hands or Death, the Bell Jar? No, Death in Her Hands. Right. The this idea of postmodernism and the shifting uh, unreliable narrator. perspectives of narrators. Yeah, lots of good like postmodern ideas in there. We have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash lottery pod. Like I said before, email lottery at cage club. Gen- genuinely, we're doing great stuff on the Patreon. <laughs> that we can't talk about makes sense if within, we talked about it we'd be arrested it makes sense within the scope of the podcast while also making no sense yeah and there's literally twice as many episodes yeah there's a bonus, right which was not going to be was not the original idea but we do a bonus episode after each main episode yeah. if you guys have heard of docking you'll want to tune in oh, jesus christ <laughs> keep reading <laughs> uh uh, today's crime is... is making people Google docking. <laughs> <laughs> today's crime is obscenity. Get 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 go 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 blood rush to my head. They hot lock popping off the fucking block. Not clocking wristlet watch been thought off. <laughs>